Welcome to Killing the Great White Male. This is episode 18. I hope you're having a fantastic week. Last time we left off with dealing with disappointment. This episode is too damn long already, so we're not going to say more than that. Let's do our best Patrick Stewart and engage. I, I love that in this book she outlines these concepts first and outlines it not just like conceptually and just not like this is a thing, but like with <laughs> stories, right? But, yeah. But then she does a deep dive in the second half of the or last third of the book or whatever, deep dive into contextually what this looks like. And she uses a lot of it uh, in the parenting circles. Um, but she also does a lot of it with the leadership bits as well. And I really like that was a unexpected yay. You know, as, as somebody who was looking for that kind of stuff, and it's one yeah. of the bits that's often missing from my research books, is mm-hmm. like, so what are the takeaways? What are the concrete takeaways? And she does such a solid, and I think part of it's her research, uh, her methodology for conducting the qualitative interviews, um, yeah. the grounded theory thing, which I don't know anything about, but I'm going to have to learn about it. <laughs> um Okay, so more more of those responses. Vulnerability is calling a friend whose child just died. Mm-hmm. Vulnerab- uh, vulnerability is signing up my mom for hospice care. Mm-hmm. It's the first date after my divorce. God, do I remember that one. Mm-hmm. Saying I love you first and not knowing if I'm going to be loved back. Mm-hmm. Uh, writing something I wrote or a piece of art that I made. Mm-hmm getting promoted and not going if I'm going not knowing if I'm going to succeed getting fired falling in love trying something new bringing my new boyfriend home getting pregnant after three miscarriages waiting for the biopsy to come back reaching out from to my son who is going through a difficult divorce exercising in public especially especially when I don't know what I'm doing and I'm out of shape admitting I'm afraid Stepping up to the plate again after a series of strikeouts. Telling my CEO that we won't make payroll next month. (laughs) Right? Laying off employees. Like, these these are especially pertinent right now. Like, it's no wonder we're hearing such anxiety around, we have to get everyone back to work. Well, you want to know why? Because those of us in business, we don't do vulnerability. Right. Right. Right? Uh, Presenting my product to the world and getting no response. Standing up for myself and for friends when someone else is critical or gossiping. Being accountable. Asking for forgiveness. Having faith. Mm. And she she frames this with this question, do these sound like weaknesses? And it's just like, holy fuck. Mm. Yeah. Right? And then she has a section where she talks about how does vulnerability feel? And she's... And the answer is again, like it's like taking off the mask and hoping the real me isn't too disappointing, not sucking yeah. it in anymore, right? Like, not yeah, sucking absolutely. it in anymore. Well, the only thing that I, the only thing that I continue to come back to about how vulnerability feels to me is like, yeah, you're dying the whole time. You know, yeah. like there's a there's a meme that's like, yes. you know, when you develop a crush on someone, I think is the context of the meme, but there's a there's a sign on a on a transformer that says like, if you touch this not only will it kill you, it will hurt the entire time you're dying. Yes. You know, and those emotional things, that emotional vulnerability, acknowledging a crush or, you know, saying 
we're not going to make payroll or, you know, opening yourself up. That's, that's the only thing I can think of that it feels like to me is just, it, it feels like I'm dying the entire time it's happening, you know, until I'm through it. And I mean, so she draws the connection right there that the word vulnerability is derived from the Latin word, uh, Oh, I'm going to mess up Latin. I shouldn't be doing that. Uh, Uh something like that. Anyway, it means to wound. Um, the definition includes capable of being wounded and open to attack or damage. So it is literally, it is a wound. She also covers the, a lot of the research that is very clear now at this point that the brain doesn't distinguish between having your arm chopped off and getting a divorce. They are, yeah. Yeah. They are pain in the brain that is very real and life-threatening as far as the brain is concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that section was one that really resonated with me too, because like I, my eyes just landed on that line. Um, when we don't acknowledge how and where we're tender, we're more at risk of being hurt. Yes. You know, and that, that I think is a huge thing. Yes. Uh, If you refuse to be in touch with yourself and acknowledge, Hey, I'm, I'm tender in these areas. Then when they get poked, obviously it's really terrible. It's extra terrible because you're not making yourself aware, you know? And, and I think there's the, like, the thing that I'm noodling in my head right now is like when I form teams, when I've formed solid teams and sometimes it's been on purpose and sometimes it's been accidental. Um, there's this element that we know that our job as good teammates is to protect our neighbor's vulnerability, mm-hmm. that they don't need to be the only people that carry that. And that's one of the things that happens in community that's solid is, I mean, that's the basic definition of compassion, I think, um, or empathy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, is that it, I mean, one of the, she mentions one of the answers that appears over and over is, is what's it like to be vulnerable is naked and it's naked in a number of different contexts, but that mm-hmm. like nakedness has these weird implications in Judeo-Christian society. And people love to refer to the Bible when people talk about being the shame of being naked in the Bible. The shame isn't on the person that's naked. It's actually, the Jewish tradition is that it's actually on the person that's doing the viewing that is yep. should be ashamed. Yep. And that's a very queer in a culture like ours that has this male gaze thing that says, no, you're the fucking violator. Yes. Right. And we have to hear that. Um, I love that, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with that concept. Um, just, you know, to kind of frame it a little bit more, like, yeah, yeah, you know, go. we talked about objectifying women, yeah. you know, um, a woman is walking down the street, minding her own business. There is nothing shameful about that woman. And yep. that woman does not feel shame in and of herself. Nor just should walking she. down the street, nor should she ever, you know. Uh, the shame is on us, yeah. you know, when we look at that person and then objectify them or say, oh, you know, she shouldn't be dressed like that, you know, turn them into um, a and thing apply to that consumed. to them. The problem is with us. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember. I know, I know you're educated in, in religion. Uh, I'm not. But I know that there's an area of the Bible where Jesus kind of talks about that, about, you know, if you can't stop yourself from looking at someone and, and then you know, desiring your, your, fucking pluck eyes out. your own damn eye out, yep. pluck your own eye out, you yes. know, 
it's not them, it's you. Yeah. You know? It, it yeah. Uh, wait, you mean I'm not supposed to hold a sign on the corner that tells everyone they're going to hell? Right, right. Uh, <laughs> it's wild. This yeah. is another touchy one for me. Um, because of exactly that, is that um, people forget to read Jesus from a perspective of a Jewish tradition. We, mm-hmm. we read him in this country from an empire position. And we forget that it was an empire that killed this man and that yeah. it was those same systems of power that were being critiqued. Like, yes, I'm not a Christian anymore. I'm an atheist. And right. the reason I still help my spouse prepare sermons is because this is the kind of stuff that she's doing with people. Is, yeah. and, and this is, to me, if religion's going to be valid, this is what it has to fucking do. Is mm-hmm. It has to look at those systems of power and how it's being co-opted by it. It's not just a great white male problem. Our religion, I, I've got a book I've, I've got a book coming that uh, <laughs> looks at the ties between American religion, well, uh, U.S. religion and, um, and white supremacy and the role mm. it has played in buttressing white supremacy. Um, yeah. And again, it's these systems of power. This is what we have to address. It's not just stop saying the N-word. It's, and it's not just having a seat at a table. It's why does the fucking table exist? Right. Why is it there in the first place? It's why does your eye get to claim somebody else's identity for them? Right. Like, these are the systems that are behind the problems. Yeah. It's. Yeah. And I don't. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that really, again, resonates. But I don't know how to make people see it, you know, and, and that I think is my overarching frustration I guess hurt. I don't know. You know, I I don't, I like to say like, Oh, I hate people. You know, I don't hate people. I love people. Yes. I love sucks. You know, that's what sucks is saying, uh, I hate people in frustration is really the opposite. You know, I love people. I want for them to be open to one another and to understand that what we're doing is hurting a lot of people. You know, I I think that's one of the points that Brene Brown makes so well and tenderly is that like in her section on parenting oh god how does she kick that one off that was a great thanks um oh are you the adult that you want your child to grow up to be oh yeah and i read that put the book down for a day and went i can't even fucking do this (laughs) right i'm done (laughs) yeah Yeah, i'm out and i'm out but yeah. she's nailing it there because it, exactly this topic right here that we're talking about is how do we change the world on this is we have to start interacting. And I, her assertion is that vulnerability is, is a key wisdom component of that. A key human, uh, Torian talks about it as a core human strength. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and I think he's right. I, I think, yeah, vulnerability has always been a core human strength. We have lost it in this country. Um, and we have to reclaim it. And we don't reclaim it for other people. We reclaim it for ourselves and we exercise it. And there's the thing. If I have a weak bicep, I don't go around not weightlifting my biceps. I fucking use my biceps for everything. <laughs> right? Like right. I see them when I, uh, uh, when I do my pull-ups. I'm like, yeah, I'm working my bicep right now. It may not be yeah. a, right? may not be a curl, but I'm, I'm looking at my bicep because that's my measure. Um, yeah. I'm mentioning that one because it happens to be my personal like look at my biceps and I think they're tiny. 
Um, Minor triceps. You got them. <laughs> yeah, I have them now, but I feel like I'm like, they need to be bigger. <laughs> right? Stop well, skipping leg day. <laughs> Stop skipping. But the, I mean, these, these emotional things are, uh, the brain, it turns out the exact same way we train muscles as men mm-hmm. is the way we have to start training our emotional competency. We yeah. have to work it out till it hurts. Mm. Right? And it doesn't take much for me. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Um, I have to be sore the next day. And it's a good sore. It's not actually, I should differentiate between ser- uh, sore and hurt. Like, it's yeah. not pain. You don't want to work out till, it, till you're in pain. But yeah. um, the same way, we need to be exercising vulnerability um, to the point that I'm sore the next day. And man, I hate it when that happens. When, yeah. Like, I know when I'm done with this, I'm probably going to be useless the rest of the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. It, it happens after our live stream on Mondays, too. Often on Tuesday, I'm just, like, fucking blown. I don't want any emotional content in my life. Yeah, I can't deal. Right? But you know what's funny? Like, for me, I don't, I don't know if it's the same for you, but, like, why, for instance, you know, we're talking about soreness, like muscle soreness. Yeah. You know, working out a muscle is sore. Uh, my thighs right now are sore because I did a hell of a lot of squats, you know. Well done. Yes, absolutely. I think I'm up to 80 in a workout session. Oh, damn. Like that, so, yeah, <laughs> I work out a lot. But yes. anyway, you know, my point is like my thighs are sore. Yes. Which sucks, you know, when you have to go do other things. But I feel good yes. about that soreness. Exactly. That soreness feels good on a level. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's sore. That's awesome because it's building. You don't you think know? of that as weakness, do you? No, not at all. You think of it as strength building. Right. And, but then you turn around and emotionally, you know, you and I are connecting and we're connecting with some really difficult material and we're engaging with these things. You know, this is a workout. Yes. It's working out. It's practice. It's, it's emotional intelligence at work. Yes. You know? Yes. And so why does it, it's like, oh, I'm so emotionally wiped out. That's fucking awesome. You yes. know? <laughs> Because next time you'll be less emotionally wiped out and you'll be more able to engage in a healthy emotional way because you're working it out. Just to make it clear, this is not a metaphor, people. This is how the fucking brain works. (laughs) It's it's literal, yeah. That the same mechanism is the exact same way in the brain because all that you're lifting, what you're doing when you're lifting is you're building the you call it muscle memory it has nothing to do with your fucking muscles it has to do nope. with the neurons in your brain being yep. building multiple pathways that say this is competent it's the yep. exact same fucking thing with emotions this is neuroscience you want to argue it with is. it good luck yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah uh, the channels in your brain that you exercise widen and the ones that you neglect narrow yes you know it comes down to that yes you know oh. <laughs> bells going off i don't know what i'm doing with my arms because this is on this is radio um but anyway yeah that's uh, i think that's the hardest thing is we look at the problem in our wider society in this country of toxic masculinity and we go how the fuck do we affect it and she covers it here. I know from a background in family systems, from my work in churches and systems theory in organizations and communities, that the only way you change a system is by showing up differently in it and the ripples mm-hmm. happen. It often means you're kicked out, which I got to experience several times. Um, yeah. 
but it it's very important that this that I mean even that kicking out has to keep happening until the hurt in the system is high enough that the system decides to change. Turns out again that's the exact same way we are. You know, how when did you decide to transition? Yeah. I'm yeah. a guess. I mean, when the pain of being not who you were exceeded the anticipated pain of transitioning to who you who you really are. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That it was like I said, it was that or be dead. Right. You know, and that I know it sounds very like it sounds dramatic. I think to it's people not who don't understand, but it's not dramatic. It's not. I just had a conversation with a friend two weeks ago, who who lost somebody near and dear to her. Um, yeah. Our daughter, an ado- not a daughter, but in in the trans community, this was her daughter, because yes. she was walking with this person as she transitioned to being a woman, and lost yeah. her. And those, let me tell you, those relationships are just as valid as a biological mother-daughter Not relationship. just as valid. They are just as they, life-saving and just as important. Absolutely. Like, yep. especially Completely. when families feel like they can cut people off. So this, yep. this is not metaphor again. This is no. real. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. But lo- you were saying. No, that, that it's, it, that I was, it, that not transitioning is going to kill me. Like that yeah. is a true statement when people talk about it. It's yeah. not being dramatic. We know right. it it's we know that not being allowed to transition, not being supported by community in transition kills people. Yeah. It does. It absolutely does. And, these and are I'll tell you not expendable people. No. Um, one of the most harmful things, uh, and it's funny because like over four years you kind of get a very fast crash course in uh, thickening your skin around mm. being transgender because you hear everything, you know, God. um, and death you have to really cuts. learn, you know, it's, yeah, it's a death by a thousand cuts. It really is. Um, and so you have to learn to shield yourself, you know, and you need people to teach you to shield yourself. So that's why those transgender relationships are so important, you know? Um, and I've gotten pretty damn good. You know, mm. I can have almost every conversation, but, I think the most horrible vulnerability around being transgender that I've experienced in recent history was just a few weeks ago. um, Someone said, I'm sorry you couldn't love yourself the way you were born. Oh, God. And I don't know how to explain how awful that feels to hear. Boy, that is a special case of mindfuckery. Right. And that person, the person being willing. Because it's actually denial of who you are when you were born. It is denial of who I am. And it is, in my opinion, an actual wound. You know, it's an actual assault on someone who's transgender. It was. It is. To say that. And and yeah, it was just. Let's be real clear again that when you talk to biologists about sex, about gender, and the number of markers that they look at is not two. It's not just right. fucking chromosomes. There right. are a million little bits scattered about in our DNA, and we're only beginning to, to understand it, just like most of our DNA sh- stuff. Um, yeah. That you were born this way. Yes. As a man. Yes. It was our culture that looked at you and assigned you something else. For right. A, Oh, God, 40 years. Holy yeah. shit. 
for 40 years. <laughs> Dallin. Oh my God. I'm, yeah. I'm, that still boggles my mind, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I have one little bit that I have to bring up here because mm -hmm. partially because it mind me because of the, uh, religion component in my history. Um, it's around the term sacrifice. It happens on page 238 in her book. Um, mm -hmm. I have refused to use the term sacrifice to describe what I do for a long time. Um, I'm not reading here. I'm just stating my shit because sure. that, that shit's so abused um, in this country. Well, we all have to make sacrifices. Well, we, you know, and it's used to put others first in, instead of holding on to ourselves, something I'm sure you know a thing or two about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but it... So I've just ref I, I've refused to use it. I won't even, I, and I'm still not sure I'm going to try to reclaim it yet. But this little window is worth looking at on the exact thing we were just talking about too. Um, and she she uses this in italics to kind of denote somebody saying, and, and I think in this case it was her, saying, I can't sacrifice three hours to sit down and review my son's Facebook page or sit with my daughter while she explains every detail of the fourth grade science fair scandal. Mm-hmm. And Brene Brown continues writing, I struggle with that too. But Jimmy Grace, a priest from our Episcopal church, recently gave a sermon about the nature of sacrifice, and it totally shifted how I think about parenting. He explained that in its original Latin form, sacrifice means to make sacred or to make holy. And I wholeheartedly yeah. believe that when we are fully engaged in parenting, regardless of how imperfect, vulnerable, and messy it is, we are creating something sacred. And I, I think yeah. for me, that's reclaiming that right here. Like I mentioned it on Facebook the other day um, when I went to the, the BLM protest here in town, mm -hmm. like I had church, like that was sacred space to me. Mm -hmm. um, and the sun breaking through the clouds and this like pouring rain that happened and then the sun breaking through the clouds and this beautiful rainbow it was just like <laughs> that was oh. so amazing i showed sam i was like it's a fucking double rainbow dude look <laughs> right like it was just like it oh just it was, if it was a work of fiction it was a little too on the nose yes <laughs> like, it's <That's> amazing <laughs> if this was fictional it would have been all right that was a little too much buddy right <laughs> yeah uh, uh, but also, like right here, the energy of this space that you and I have co-created here is yeah. also that, like, this is what sacrifice is, um, yeah. that we took the intention, we took our vulnerability and our, our willingness to show up and talk about things that make us cry, that yeah. are deeply painful, are deeply meaningful. Um, that open you to criticism. Right. Yep. like in my head it's hard to keep the parts of me at bay that are like chattering about all the things that i'm doing wrong in this fucking thing um mm -hmm. but it that's what it means to sacrifice is it's to make sacred or make holy which again i'm an atheist but i still know what holy feels like yeah i, right? I think on a fundamental level most of us do. because and... we're meaning making machines yes right, <laughs> right? And this, to me, has immense meaning. So, do you have another thing that you want to end on, or are you are you ready to close too? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think I think we covered a lot of it. But but like I said, this book was just so impactful on me that, like, I fully intend to go back and read it again. You know, 
um, because there's so much that I haven't grrappled with. I'm going to have know. to just to undog ear all the fucking pages I would mark. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like I, you know, when, when we decided that we were going to have this, this conversation surrounding the book, I was like, okay. And I sat down and I tried to read through it and, you know, like I mentioned to you, I think one of the conversations we did have that I remember at, at GOTC, uh, was I'm a huge nerd. You know, I take notes on everything, you mm -hmm. know? And so I fully intended to sit down with the audiobook, listen to it, you know, take notes as I was going along. And I found myself so often going, <sighs> you know, just, yes. just blown away by the things in the book that I didn't even, I think I have like a page and a half maybe of things that I jotted down. I was so overwhelmed by the yeah. entire concept, you know? I so to... I hope we covered it. <laughs> I hope we covered it well. I'm going to come up with but... a million more things because I'm going to create an annotated bibliography of this one. But yeah. It... And yeah. So I guess there's, for me, the closing point is, Dallin, thank you so, so much for choosing this one, for um, like the way you engaged it, and especially for co-creating a space of vulnerability here that we get to share yeah. with other people. Um, thanks for making this holy. No. Thank you. Thank you for reaching out and offering. I love you, my friend. Thank you so much. I love you too. Um, All right. Oh, are there anything else that needs to be said? Oh, I, I, I have to do my, I have to do my thing. Your thing. My thing. It's the Maya Angelou quote. Do the do the best you That's can. That's right. Until yeah, you know you have better. To do your quote. <laughs> and I'm totally free. I've got it memorized at this point, but I had to like move my my soundproofing so I could see it. So Maya Angelou's thing of do the best you can until you know better, and when you know better, do better. Absolutely. So, thank you again, Dallin. Have a great thank you. day. All right. Bye. Bye. So uh, this episode is too long already, and I can't let it go without talking about what happened in the post call i'm not sharing the recording of it because it ended up being a space well for me it ended up i don't know why i'm not sharing it but i'm not gonna um but i'm not sure if you've ever sat down as a man with another man and cried but that was where dallin and i ended up as we sat there and just had to reconcile the identity that our culture puts on us with the conversation that we just had that felt so incredibly precious. Vulnerability is amazing. If you haven't picked this book up already, please do. Please send me your thoughts. I mean, hell, I'll record another episode on it. I don't care. This is fucking amazing stuff. In the meantime, where will you exercise vulnerability this week? Where will you say no to shame? Where will you say no to the notion that you are not enough? Much love to all of you this week. Hope, hope it goes well. And I hope you find that vulnerability and, and are willing to risk something. Looking forward to seeing you on Monday for a whole new conversation. <laughs>